How many of y'all remember the day you got saved? Amen. It was a long time ago for me. It seems like, anyway. I remember it like it was yesterday. And if you're, uh, you're honest, you probably do too. All the circumstances leading up to it, everything that happened, making you realize that the only person that can help you will if we would but ask. And uh, never got over it. One day we'll get on top of it, amen. And uh, we'll, hit, we'll hit that highest peak, our pastor, and say glory, glory, amen. Uh, Y'all pray for us as we sing, um, that I'll be able to. Amen. I'm still amazed. of sin anymore I'm still amazed that Jesus would pay a debt I could never afford I've never got past I'm free at last from the sin made me a slave I still feel as much as when he first touched me oh yes I'm still amazed, I'm amazed to know how far God would go to set a lost man free. Oh, I'm still in awe that he gave it all for an old sinner like me. I've never got over that this king would shoulder my sin. With all its disgrace, oh Calvary's hill still gives me a thrill. Oh yes, I'm still amazed. I'm amazed this stranger would accept the manger in trade for his kingly throne. Oh, I'm still at a loss. Why he'd take the cross instead of streets of pure gold. Oh, he's the only king who gave everything in exchange for a cold, dark grave. I still love to ponder this God-given wonder. Oh, yes, I'm still amazed. I'm amazed to know how far God would go to set a lost man free. I'm still in awe that he gave it all for an old sinner like me. Well, I've never get over that this king would shoulder my sin with all its disgrace. See, Calvary's hill still gives me a thrill oh yes I'm still amazed Calvary's hill still gives me a thrill oh yes I'm still amazed
Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're not going to take much time here, but we do have with us, I've already mentioned Jason and Charity Rischel, and uh, we're grateful for them. They have uh, Levi is seven. I'm assuming these guys are all uh, on the playground. <laughs> Children's church, yeah. Uh, Levi is seven. Joshua is five. Uh, Jacqueline is three. And Juliana is full grown at four months old. So uh, we are thankful to have them and call them one of our own. So, Brother Jason, you come ahead and share. Thank you, Pastor, for teaching. Yeah. Well, good morning, church. It is such a blessing this morning to be here at Hushton Baptist Church. Did I say that right? Yes. You're about the only church I have to practice your name before I come, so I just wanted to make sure. But we do love you all. It's exciting to see what God's been doing here at the church. The church has been growing and advancing. Exciting to see Pastor. I mean, when we left, I mean, we come back, Pastor's written a book. He's writing songs now. I'm honestly, I'm expecting we come back in four years and there'll be a spaceship out there. And Pastor's like, I decided to be an astronaut, you know? I mean, we'll just see how that goes. But we love your pastor. We appreciate him, Brother Scott. We appreciate all you've done for our family and for the ministry there in Burkina Faso. As we reflect on your prayers and your support and all you've done, I'm reminded of what Paul says to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter number four. In verse number 16, he says to the church, he says, For even at Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And when as a church, as you support and pray for and help missionaries all around the world, it's not necessarily about the gift or the project or the missionary. What it's about is you investing in God's work so that you might reap eternal fruit to your account. Because of your faithfulness, because of your support, because of your prayers, God has been working. God has been saving lives. And that's fruit to your account. And the verses say, not only is it fruit to your account, but it's a sacrifice of a sweet-smelling savor, well-pleasing to God. And as you give, as you pray, as you work, not only are you seeing fruit out of your account, but you're pleasing God. This morning, before we show the short ministry video, before we preach, I just want to share with you a few testimonies of lives that have been changed there in Burkina Faso because of your faithfulness, because of your support. I want to share with you some stories of fruit to your account. The first testimony I want to share with you, is it okay if I walk with the live stream? I'm not, okay. First uh, testimony I want to share with you this morning is about a man whose name is Norbert. A bear was, for lack of a better word, the village, a village drunk. And we were out one Saturday night handing out tracts and inviting people to come to church. And we came across Norbert, and we walked up to him and just being nice to him, greeting him, you know, being kind. And Holy Spirit went on hard. He's like, give him the gospel. I'm like, what's the village drunk? What's that going to do, right? But I said, all right, Lord, we'll see. So give him the gospel, give him a tract, invite him to come to church the next morning. And there in Burkina, probably like it is here in Georgia, Everyone promises that they're going to come to church with you, then nobody ever shows up. 
So yeah, I'll be there. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you will be. We'll see. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, leave it in God's hands. Well, next Sunday morning, we're there at church, getting everything set up, and I look up, and here comes Norbert, the village drunk, walking in. He walks in. He sits down. Hears about Christ. Hears about Calvary. For the first time in his life, Norbert heard that there was a God in heaven that loved him, that wanted to save him. For the first time, Brother Scott, he heard that message that you said. And Norbert put his faith in Jesus Christ. And God completely changed his life. Because that is our God. And that is his power. Norbert lived pretty far from the church. It would take him about 40 minutes to get to church. He'd ride back and forth on his bicycle. So I went out to visit Norbert later and drove out to his house. And we were just talking, just encouraging him. And as we were talking, <clears throat> Norbert looked at me and says, Pastor, I have a favor to ask of you. And I said, sure, no problem. What can I do for you? <clears throat> and he said, I have some friends that want to come to church with me next Sunday. Will you come in your car and pick them up? I said, sure, no problem. I'll be happy to. You know, that'd be great. So next Sunday morning, I get in my car. And I drive out to Norbert's house. And when I get there, they're sitting Norbert with 20 other people. He says, okay, Pastor, we're ready to go to church. I looked at Norbert and his friends. I looked at my car, and I said, Norbert, there is no way you're all going to fit. And he just laughed. He said, oh, don't worry. We're going to fit. And somehow they did. Some know to this day how they did that. But many of them got saved that day. And every Sunday after that, Sunday after Sunday, Norbert faithfully come to church with four or five of his neighbors who had been saved who were growing in their faith. Because we have a God who is powerful and a God who saves lives. And that's why one of the main focuses of our ministry is to see gospel-preaching churches established in areas where there are no churches. So the church can serve as a light, as a lighthouse for that community so others can know Christ. By God's grace, we've been able to see two churches started in the city we live in, the city of Bobo de Alasso. So if I ever say Bobo, I'm talking about our city. Bobo de Alasso, the second largest city there in Burkina as well as two other churches in nearby villages. Because we want to see people saved. But not only do we want to see people saved, but we want to help after they're saved, we want to help them, teach them, and disciple them, and grow them in the maturity in Christ. The second testimony I want to share with you this morning, another fruit of your account, is a young man whose name was Isaac. He's Isaac. Isaac came to church, and he grew up in the village, and he grew up in a church, what we'd call, considered a charismatic Pentecostal church. So he came to our church, and when he came to our church, Isaac, he knew about the Bible, and he knew, you know, about things, but Isaac was terrified of one thing. He was terrified of baptism. Because Isaac had been taught that when you get baptized, baptism, the water washes away all your sins. But then, if you sin one single time after you get baptized, you're going straight to hell, and there's no hope for you. So Isaac's like, I just can't get baptized, because then I'll mess up now. So he came to church trusting in his own righteousness and his own good works. But he came, we, I started working with him. We began to study 1 Corinthians together and study the Bible. And pretty soon Isaac realized it wasn't about what he could do. It's about what Christ did for him on the cross. And I want to show you a picture. If we can have the first picture here. This is in what would have been in the fall of 2020. And here's Isaac, how he's looking at it, here on the far right, getting baptized. Because Isaac finally realized that wasn't about what he could do. It wasn't about his righteousness. It wasn't about his good works. It was about Jesus Christ and Calvary. And Isaac put his faith in Christ. And here it is, by God's grace, getting baptized. But after Isaac got baptized, 
He wanted to serve God. He fell in love with God. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to live for God. So he began to help. He was in university at this time. He left university, began to study in the Bible Institute, began to train and to train to serve God. And we are ready to start the second church. It's not the first church. We are ready to start the second church here in Bobo. Isaac went with me to help start that church. So I said, this picture would have been, was fall of 20, uh, 2020. If we can see the next picture, here's Pastor Isaac, that same man, baptizing members of his own church in spring of 2023. Because our God saves lives and uses those people that he saves. But we don't want to just stop there, do we? God, we thank God for what he's done, but we want to continue to go forward. And I'll share with you the third testimony. It's about a 14-year-old boy. His name is Shek. And Shek lives in the village of Numudara, a Muslim village. Shek grew up in a Muslim family. And in fact, Shek is the grandson of the chief of that village. And as Pastor mentioned, we have a circuit riding ministry where we send men out. They go out on, on motos to village, different villages, preaching the gospel, seeing what villages are open. And the villages that are open, they continue to go back to those villages and continue to plant and plow. And by God's grace, that's what helps us see the, um, help us see the two churches started in the villages. But one day, the team went by the village of Numudara. They began to preach. And Shek was just out walking by. And he heard the preaching. He went over and started listening and got interested. Because he heard about Jesus, you know, because Muslims believe Jesus is a prophet and a good man, but, you know, that's it. And he knew about Jesus, but he began to hear something different. He began to hear Jesus wasn't just a prophet, but Jesus was the Son of God and his Savior. And week after week, that team would go back to his village, and week after week, Shek would hear more and more about Christ. And pretty soon, Shek put his faith in Jesus Christ, and he got saved. And now every Sunday when the team goes back to Shek's village, you know who's always there waiting for him? There's Shek with his little army of 14 and 15-year-old boys. There's about seven or eight of them. And when they show up, there they are with their Bibles in hand. And they, before they let them go evangelize, they have to sit down and do a Bible study with them. They study the Bible. And then this little army of 14-year-old boys go out, goes out and helps them evangelize their village. Yeah. Just last week, that, that's Pastor Augustine who's running that, who's Heads up that team that goes that village. And last week he wrote me and said he did a special evangelistic work in that village and 20 people got saved. Yeah. By God's grace, we're in the process right now of getting a permanent work established, talking with the chief, getting land, getting all that organized. But our God is good. I want you to understand something. It's because of you that God is doing that work. That's proof of your account. That's your prayers, your support your investment, that God is blessing. And we're going to show a short video that just shows a little bit more what God's doing there. And we're going to come back and talk a little bit about a special project we're doing and look at a message from God's Word. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. When God called us in 2019 to move down to Bobo de Alasso, the second largest city in Burkina Faso, there were a lot of uncertainties. We would be the only independent Baptist missionaries in a city of one million people. Islamic terrorism was present throughout Burkina Faso, inflicting fear in the hearts of many. But after spending much time in prayer and seeking godly counsel, we knew that it was what God was leading us to do and that He would go with us. So by faith we made the move, and God has been faithful to work. He has allowed us to see two churches started here in the city of Bobo de Alasso, 
as well as two other churches in nearby villages. Not only has God given us these wonderful churches, but one by one God has sent amazing men and women to work with us. Drabo and his wife were both born into Muslim families, but God has saved them and completely changed their lives. Pastor Drabo is currently serving at our first church here in Bobo, but has a heart to start a work in the city of Dedugu. Charlo is currently finishing up his studies and preparations in the Bible Institute and is going out every Sunday to preach in his village, where he is praying to one day see a church started. Isaac spent years in other churches, but he never heard a clear presentation of the gospel until God led him to our church. Pastor Isaac and his wife are presently serving with us as leaders of the second church. Noel was working as a police officer when he first began coming to the church. But after about a year at our church, God called him to preach. Pastor Noel left his job to go full-time into training and to serve faithfully alongside us at the first church. Bachiono had served in another church where he was hurt badly, but God led him to our church and we were able to help him find healing and hope in Christ. He and his wife are helping minister at the second church as they make plans to go out and to start a third church here in Bobo. Though we may have started this work in Bobo with God alone, by His grace we now have a team of men and women who have a heart for God and for reaching the lost. As a great missionary of the past once said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And we are so excited about the future of the work here. God has already provided four lands for future churches. We are praying about and making plans to see Christian schools started in Bobo and the other cities. There are villages where the men are preaching that don't have a church yet, and many other villages that are wide open to the gospel. We would like to find a permanent home for our Bible Institute so we can build dorms and bring people in from our churches and the villages to be trained. We truly want to impact this country and to see Burkina become a launching pad to reach other countries beyond with the gospel. Would you be willing to come alongside us to help reach Burkina and beyond? So church, once again, we thank you for the huge part that you have played in what God is doing over there in Burkina Faso. By God's grace, in uh, um, June, July of this year, we're going to be heading back to Burkina. We look forward to see what God's going to continue to do in the years ahead. And one project, there are several projects we're working on as we get ready to head back. But one project we're working on is to get a container full of Bibles and tracts, and John and Rome is put together, put together to send back to Burkina with us. By God's grace, we already have the Bibles, we already have the John and Rome's we were working on, and right now we're in the process of getting half a million tracts printed and put together into French language. French is our language over there. About half a million tracts put together so that they can be spread throughout the country of Burkina Faso to continue to save souls and see God work. And you might ask yourself, well, what good, what good is one tract? What, what, what can tracts do? Well, how many of us were touched when someone gave us a tract? When one tract was left at a gas station, when some neighbor just handed it to you, is our God not great to use one single track to do things we can never imagine? 
one act of obedience? Burkina is a Muslim-majority country. Our city of Bobo is about 80% Muslim. And most of the Muslims there are very nominal Muslims. They don't take their, their religion very seriously. But there is a group of the hardcore radical Muslims there. And usually you can tell who they are because they have a very specific outfit they wear. The women, of course, wear the full burqas or just little eye slots. But the men also have, a very, have an outfit they wear. They have these little hats. And usually they have these big bushy beards. So usually when you see one of the, on the road, you see one of these radical Muslims, you know right away who they are. So when you're out evangelizing and giving out tracts and you see one of these radical Muslims walking towards you, what does the flesh want to do? <laughs> Run. Or stop and tie your shoe or maybe, you know, step. That's what the flesh wants to do. But what are we commanded to do? Get the gospel to every creature, aren't we? And one Sunday we were having, um, we were having church one Sunday. It's kind of set up here. The pool was here. The doors at the back. And as I was preaching, I look up and here, middle of the service, here comes one of these radical Muslim men walking into the church service. And I got pretty scared. I'm like, oh boy, what's he, what's he want? Maybe he's mad because his wife and his child are here at church. Maybe he's mad. I don't know what, maybe he's just mad we're having church. I mean, we had a problem with terrorism. I had no idea. So I'm like, Lord, help us. The man comes in, sits down in the back, and just kind of starts staring at me. So I just keep preaching. Finish up the service and give the invitation. And he's still just sitting there. We close out, start, invite, start greeting people. I start greeting my way back to him. And when I get there, you know, I shake his hand. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm indicating brother, brother Scott is the guy. I, I shake his hand and I talk with him and you know, do the basic greetings. And I pretty much ask him, what in the world are you doing here? When I asked him that question, he reached into his pocket. He pulled out one of the tracks from the church, and he said, somebody gave this to me, and I want to know how Jesus can be my Savior. What happened? Somebody. What does he mean? I don't know what, who gave it to him, but somebody was just crazy enough to believe that if they gave a tract to that man, God would work. And God did. And I have no idea what God's going to do, but I believe if we can take half a million tracts put them in the hands of pastors and church members who are zealous and on fire to reach their country with the gospel. Our God is going to do great things. So in the process of getting those printed, then we'll be getting the container put together with materials for those, for the ministry, for the school. We're going to be starting there and shipping the container over there. So I see you pray for that project, pray for the different other works that's going on, and pray for us as we get ready to head back there to Burkina in just a few months. Now I want us to turn our Bibles this, mor this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians Chapter number 15, we mentioned about, you know, what can God do with one track? What can God do with one act of obedience? And we're going to follow that subject a little bit this morning with 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15. And as you turn there, I want to share with you just one final testimony of something that God did over there in Burkina. We're out one day putting up a sign on the side of the road, just kind of one of those signs that indicate where the church is. And we were putting up this sign, and it was hot out. You know, we're up by the Sahara Desert, usually around 100, sometimes up to 110 degrees. And digging in this hard, rocky ground, putting up this sign, and we got done, and do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go home and take a shower, because it was hot. As we were finishing up, the Holy Spirit put on my heart, there's a guy over there, the other side of the street, who owned a bicycle repair shop. He put my heart, go over there, talk with this man, and invite him to church, give him the gospel, invite him to church. So I'm like, well, Lord, all right, if you really want me to, you know, so I went over there, talked with him, his name was Jacques, which is James in French, and Talked with him, gave him a track, gave him the gospel, invited him to church, told him where the church was, and maybe spoke to him maybe five, ten minutes max. 
Then I went home, and I forgot about it. About two weeks later, guess who shows up at church? Jacques and his wife. And they both get saved. A few months after that, they come back to church with their teenage son, or they continue to come to church, but a few months later, they came with their teenage, teenage son, whose name was Sylvain. And Sylvain got saved. A few months after that, we had a special youth activity at the church. We told all the young people to invite their friends, so Sylvain invited many of his friends, and one of his friends that came with him, his name was Kevin. Kevin came to church. Kevin kept coming to church after that, and pretty soon, Kevin got saved. And today, Kevin's actually one of the deacons of the first church there in Bobo. He's helping us run our media ministry where we record gospel messages and put them on radio stations throughout the city. By this time, Kevin, who was just in high school, finishing up high school, so he started inviting his, his classmates to come to church with him. And one of those classmates he invited to come, his name was Abdul. Abdul was a Muslim young man, and he would not come to church on Sunday morning because that would be a great sin. But he would come to church on our Saturday, for our Saturday night youth meetings. So Abdul started coming every Saturday night, and then one Sunday we were having a special activity, and we were having free food. If there's one thing Abdul loves, it's free food. So Abdul came to church that Sunday, started coming back every Sunday after that, and pretty soon Abdul got saved. A few months after that, Abdul comes to church one Sunday morning, and he's so excited. He said, Pastor, one of my neighbors came to church with me, and I really think God's going to do a special work in his life, and his name is Dabo Nufu. Nufu is Arabic for Noah. And if you saw the video, Pastor Drabo is one of the pastors in Burkina Faso today. A few months after that, Drabo came to church with one of his friends. His name was Etienne. He was a big old man. Didn't come to church very much, but Etienne invited one of his friends to come to church with him. And his name is Noel. He's one of the other pastors in Burkina today. See what happened? Two pastors, one deacon, all those church members, all of it winds back to a little five, ten minute conversation on the side of the road. But God took that one act of obedience and God used it to give fruit that remains. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 58, we're reminded that no matter how small or insignificant what we do might seem, that when we work for God, it is not in vain. Let's read here 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do love you so very much. And Lord, we thank you for this church, for the pastor and his family. Thank you, Lord, for how you're using this church, how you're going to continue to use it, Lord. We thank you for the work you're doing there in Burkina and the part this church has in it. And Lord, this morning, as just for a few minutes we look at this passage here, Lord, we pray that you help us to understand and you help us, Lord, to realize that the work we do for you is never in vain. And Lord, you want to take our lives and take our obedience and take our faith, and Lord, you want to do great things through it. So Lord, we love you, and we thank you for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This verse promises us 
For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If we're honest, there's a lot of things we do in life that are vain. There are times, there are things we do, there's things we spend our money on, there's all these things we do sometimes that are vain. But if we're really honest, pastor, sometimes in ministry, a pastor and a missionary can do their work for God, and it can be in vain. Because we do it in our strength. We do it for wrong motives. But here we're promised that when we serve God, when we work for him, when we give for him, when we fight for him, when it's for the Lord, in the Lord, it is not in vain. And this morning I want us to look quickly at three things here in this verse, three ways that we can work so that our labor will not be in vain. The first thing I want us to look at is we have to work in faith. We have to work in faith. Looking at verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brother. Now let's focus for a minute on this word, therefore. Now there in Burkina, we speak French. We have a lot of different tribal languages. My English is a little rusty, if I'm honest. So I don't want to go into this deep study on the word, therefore. But it's a pretty important word. Because here's what the word, therefore, does. The word, therefore, takes this fact or this truth, and it connects it with another fact or a truth or a command that was given. I'll give you an example. You could say, why well, didn't sleep very well last night? Therefore, I am tired. See how it works? I'll give you another example. I said, we've been back in the States now for a few months, and we've been eating good American food. Therefore, I'm getting fat. It's not a good thing. I don't know what we're going to do about that. I'll give you a biblical example. In Matthew 28, Christ gives the command, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. But the verse right before that, Christ says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. So the command to go isn't hinged on us and our talents and our abilities. The command to go is hinged on the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. So in the Bible, anytime we see the word therefore, we need to stop and really pay attention to the context of what's going on before this so we can realize what this command to be steadfast and unmovable to work for the Lord is based on. And, of course, Paul's writing this book to the church at Corinth, a church full of problems, a church that has a lot of things going on. But the big issue Paul's dealing with right here in chapter 15 is the fact there are people in the church who are doubting that there's a resurrection. They're saying there's no life after death. When we die, it's just finished. There's no resurrection. There's no eternity. This life is all we have. And Paul's like, what in the world? Christ is risen from the dead. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. And one day we will rise with him. And there is an eternity. And if not, we're all men most miserable. And then he gives the promise of the rapture. But then look what he says here in verse number, 50, uh, verse number 54. And we read verse 54 to 57. Paul says this. So in this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall we brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. 
What we understand is this command to serve and to work and to give and to do everything, it's not based on us, our talents, our skills. It's based on the fact that we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we want fruit that remains, if we want to see God do great things, we don't do it through us, but we do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't trust in ourselves and how good we may be. We trust in the victory we have in him. And when I trust in Christ, when I look to him, it doesn't matter what's going on around me, I realize it's going to work. It's not going to be in vain. Even when you're thousands of miles away and you don't know what's going on in your ministry, sometimes you're like, Lord, this is you. This is your work. This is your ministry. I can be honest. This is a lesson that God's been teaching me very personally over the last six months or so. There's too often in my time I've trusted, you know who I trusted in? Me. And what I can do. God, I bring me to a point at one time where I was just like, Lord, I can't do this without you. The passage he used was Psalm 127. I encourage you to read afterwards. You don't have time, but it says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. That building. They get up early. They stay up late. They work hard than everyone else. They suffer. That's what the psalm says, paraphrasing, of course. But it's like, it's all in vain. But God is his beloved sleep. When we rest in Christ and his victory, when we rest in his power, we can rejoice in him and rest in him. And I mean, not be lazy and sleep all the time, but we can safely sleep in him. Knowing that's not going to be in vain because it's under his control. One of the big parts of working in faith and working through Christ and through his victory is working in faith. Doing what God, obeying his commands. Not only when it's something easy and fun that we want to obey. You know, I mean, your parents say, come to the garage, we're going to get ice cream. Everyone's going to come running, right? Well, kids, I guess. Well, I should say if you're, you're kids. I'm not, and you realize I'm old now. I have kids, right? But it's a fun command. We're going to obey that. But if your parents call and say, come to the garage, we're going to clean the garage, who's going to come running? See the difference? And so often God's like something fun and say, oh yeah, God, I'll obey. But then when it's hard, well, God, I really need to pray about that one. I really need to think about that one. But what is faith? Faith is saying, it doesn't matter if it's easy or if it's hard. If I know so what God wants me to do, do, I'll do it. Because I trust him to get the results. Think of Peter when he's there in the boat and you know Christ has taught the people out of his boat and they tell Peter, cast out in, in Luke 5, cast out little ways and throw out your net. You're going to catch a lot of fish. And Peter looks at Jesus and says, we worked all night long. And we've got nothing. Jesus, I am a professional fisherman. I know the best spots. I know the best techniques. I worked all night long, and I've caught nothing. Then you remember what Peter says? He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will cast out the net. He worked all night long. It was in vain. All night long, he caught nothing. But the moment he obeyed God and he followed his word, God did great things. So the first thing we see we need to do, we need to work in faith. The second thing we see is we need to work steadfastly. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Now, there in Burkina, is your, we don't have very good roads. Most of our roads are just dirt roads, and usually that works okay, except for when it rains. 
Because when it rains, those dirt roads turn into what? Mud roads. But usually when you're driving down the road, you have to dodge a lot of things. You dodge bicycles and motorcycles and other cars and a lot of animals. You have deer here. We have donk or we have um, cows and sheep and goats. We have just animals all over the place. Sometimes you even have hippos and elephants on the road. But there's one animal on the road that when you're driving down the road, but usually you honk your horn, they run out of the way. It's not a big deal. But usually if there's a donkey in the road, it doesn't work like that. When you're driving down the road and there's a donkey in the middle of the road and you honk your horn, do you know what that donkey does? Nothing. He stops. He slowly looks at you and he's like, hey, buddy, I was here first. You move out of my way. So you bring a big old car to a complete stop and let his little donkey get out of your way. And when we think of donkeys, what adjective comes to mind? Stubborn. But you know what this verse is saying? We need to be stubborn for Jesus. Or a better word is, Steadfast, unmovable. I was, the road, I was driving down the road one day. It was raining really hard. And when it rains, a lot of times the water runs to the side of the road. Because these two little streams on the side of the road. And I was driving down the road. And I looked over, and there was a donkey standing there. The water was about up to his waist. It was just running by him. Water, the rain was just smacking him in the face, raining hard. And this donkey was standing there, hooked up to a cart. And he didn't move. He was just there. His master told him to stay, and he wasn't going to move until his master told him otherwise. And as believers, each of us, we have a command from our God. And what we do is when our God tells us to do something, when our God gives a command, we plant our feet on his promises, on his faithfulness, and we say, no matter what, no matter how hard it gets, no matter the trials, no matter the circumstances, no matter what other people even say, no matter what other people do, no matter what, I'm going to plant my feet and I'm going to stay. In Hebrews 12, we're given the command to run with patience the race that I set before us. Kind of see the same idea, run steadfastly. You know, kind of like the tortoise and the hare, just one foot in front of the other. How do we do that? Verse 2 tells us. It's real easy to say that, right? It's real easy to say, stay faithful, don't quit. And we're like, amen, amen. And we're like, how do we do that? You know, it's easy to say, hard to do. Verse 2 tells us how. What's it say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And then verse 3 says, Hebrews 12, 3 says, the moment you stop considering him, it's the moment you're going to grow weary and faint in your mind. So what's it saying? Look unto Jesus. We don't look to others. We don't look to the circumstances. We don't even look to the results and the fruit. We look to Christ. Remember, Keenan, a lot of times when I teach, I teach pretty simple a lot of times. And I'll tell them, I was like, all right, everyone look up. So I don't look up. I'm like, all right, what's the person next to you doing? I don't know. What's going on behind you? I don't know. What's going on in front of you? I don't know. Why? Because I'm looking up. That's what we do with Christ. We look up. Someone else messes up. Christ hasn't. Life is hard. Christ is still good. Trials are there. He's still faithful. Our eyes are fixed on him. I think a good old Peter, I already picked on Peter a little bit, but in John 21, the resurrected Lord is there talking with the disciples on the, side, on the seashore having a fish fry, and Christ starts talking one on one. He starts talking directly with Peter. Telling Peter how he's going to use his life, and telling Peter how Peter's going to serve him, and then after they're done talking, you know, the three times he, Peter says, I love, he, Jesus allows Peter to confess that he loves him. 
And then after that, Jesus physically stands up and tells Peter, follow me. And Jesus said, Peter, start walking away. But they aren't alone. Because good old John, the beloved, doesn't like to be left out of anything. And he starts following after them. And I would hope that if I was Peter, or I would hope that if I had 10 minutes to talk face-to-face with my Lord, my resurrected Lord, I'd be so focused on him that nothing else would matter. But what did Peter do? Well, Jesus, what about this man? What's he going to do for you? Do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? If I want him to tarry until I come, what is that to be? Follow thou me. And church, we have a job to do. And if we want to be steadfast, if we want to be faithful, if we want to see fruit that remains, if we don't want our work to be in vain, we have to follow Jesus. We don't follow others. We don't follow the world. We don't follow other churches. We don't follow some idea. We follow Jesus. And it will not be in vain. So we work steadfastly. We work in faith. We work steadfastly. The very last thing I want us to see, it says, therefore, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in your own work, for as much as ye, is that what it says? I told you my English is a little rusty there, right? What's it say? Always abounding in what? In the work of the Lord. Last thing I want to realize this this morning is we work humbly. Whose church is this? This pastor's church? This Mrs. Pastor's church? I don't know what they call you, so I was calling you Mrs. Pat. Whose church is this? God's. Whose ministry is that over in Burkina? Is that my ministry? Is that my wife's ministry? It's God's. And do you realize no matter where you are, no matter where God's placed you, we are but tools in the master's hand that he's using. To teach a Sunday school class. To teach the children. To clean the church. To run the sound booth. We are tools in the hands of the almighty creator God. And he wants to use us. In church, it is so exciting to see what God's going to do here, what God's done already. But I believe with all my heart that there are amazing things ahead for Cushton Baptist Church. I believe God has amazing things planned. And I believe that 100 years from now, 200 years from now, if our Lord hasn't come back, I hope he does, but if he hasn't come back, this church will remain strong and thriving. But if we want fruit that remains, if we don't want our labor to be in vain, have to keep our eyes on Christ, stay steadfast, work in faith, and realize God and God alone is going to do the work. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. And I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the chance, the opportunity we have to work for you. Lord, you want to work. You want to save lives. You want, Lord, glorify your name. And Lord, I pray that you'll use this church, you'll use the ministry in Burkina, you'll use your servants here, Lord, no matter what role we have, you'll use us, Lord,
the work, small acts of obedience, small acts of faith, one track given, one invitation given, one prayer said, one gift given. Lord, we have no idea what you can do with one. Lord, I pray you take one member, one church, you take, Lord, what we have to offer. Like that young boy with his five loaves and two fish, Lord, you take what we have and you multiply it. And you do great things through it. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with us this morning? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Where, where are you in that therefore? Are you steadfast? Are you unmovable? Are you abounding in the work of the Lord? Are you doing that in faith, in humility, knowing whose ministry it is, whose work it is? Such challenging questions. We're going to have just a moment of invitation here. And so I pray that you would spend some time with the Lord and ask the Lord to show you your heart. Father, I pray you'd bless this time of invitation. Strengthen us and prepare us for the, what remains ahead, Lord, in Jesus' name.